The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Thank you, Father, because you sit in the heavens and the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers before you. What a mighty God you are. You reign in the center of the circles of the earth. What a mighty God you are. Today in every life present in this place, every life joining us over the internet, everyone that will listen to this message, Father, through that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of man, and let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Exploitation. We started this series like um, some time ago. <laughs> Today is part eight of, we are looking at part eight of the series. And um, the series is titled Victory. And, and the idea um, that we are drilling down on is, 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 is the, the fact that we believe that God will give us victory this year in Jesus' name. And we need to deploy proven, everybody say proven, proven military strategies to guarantee and secure these victories. Why? Because life is a battle. Life is a battle. Everybody here, you don't need anyone to convince you. You know already, life is a battle. And in this battle of life, you will have victory in Jesus' name. You are the general. So you are, you are calling the shots. I know Jesus is the general. After Jesus is you. You are the general. You are calling the shots in your life. So you have to be equipped. And we, we look at a lot of examples in scriptures. And a lot of historical examples of war generals. And a lot of them actually are deploying scriptural principles. So if they, a lot of them don't even know God, are deploying scriptural principles and they are securing victory, then we should be able to learn from them and learn from scriptures and deploy the same principles and secure our victory. So we looked at the first principle, what we looked at was the principle of the objective. Then we looked at the principle of what? Offensive. Then after that we looked at the principle of Mass. Then after that, we looked at the principle of maneuver. Then after that, we looked at the principle of intelligence. Then after that, we looked at the principle of security. And before now, we looked at the principle of unity of command. And today, we are looking at the principle of exploitation. Our text is from John chapter 9, verse 4. The book of John chapter 9. Verse 4, Jesus says in John 9, verse 4, I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no one, everyone say no one, when no one can walk. I must walk this walk while it is day because night comes when no one can walk. To exploit means to take full advantage of. To exploit something is to take full advantage of that thing. And, you know, because if you heard the word exploitation, many of us think of the negative exploitation because we've been exploited. And, you know, and the, the, the negativity of exploitation it dominates our, our thinking. And, 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 you know, and rightfully so sometimes because this world is full of people exploiting each other, people exploiting the system, and that is bad. Even from when a child is born, a baby that is born innocent from heaven, hungry legitimately, cries because he feels hungry. 
And when he cries, the mother and everybody runs and they feed the baby. And the baby discovered that this thing called crying is a weapon. In fact, there's research that's proven that babies are better mind readers than adults. A baby can scan a room and read everybody's emotions. So the baby learns very quickly to exploit the situation. So he is not hungry. Yeah! He just wants everybody to be running. The day the baby starts crying, and everybody looks at me like, no, baby, maybe we change the strategy. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So we kind of are, you know, it's, we, 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 we kind of try to exploit situations. As human beings, capitalism is, is rooted in exploitation. Of course, there's a good side of capitalism, but there's a part of capitalism that is rooted in exploitation. It is almost evil if it is not evil. We've seen spouses manipulating and exploiting each other. You know your husband just wants his sleep. Then you, you wait for him to want to sleep. Then you pester him when he wants to sleep. Because you want to get what you want to get. It's manipulation. It's like witchcraft. Uh, that's what it is. But anyway, we are not here to focus on negative side. I just need to let you know that the negative side ex- exists and it, 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 it doesn't take anything away from the positive side of exploitation, which is what we are looking at today. I have friends. They have expensive phones. I look at the phone and, and we talk and they don't even know how to use 10% of the functionality of the phone. They are not exploiting. They are not deriving value from the phone. So, so why do you buy a phone of 140,000 naira? Then all you do is, hello, are you hearing me? And you drop the phone. Okay, you send a few text messages. Okay, then what? Pardon me? Oh, okay, you snap picture. Okay, okay, sorry. 30% of the functionality, I forgot. I knew you, I knew you we had something. Okay, you take some pictures. Okay, so some selfies. <laughs> Fine. But the phone is loaded. That thing you are holding in your hand is more powerful than the mainframe computers of the 80s. In fact, it's more powerful than 10 of them put together. And those computers fill the whole room. We don't exploit what we have. With a friend of mine, and, I was, and he was in a car, and I said to her, oh, you know, the car was a very expensive car. I said to her, your car can do this. She said, eh. See, your car can do this. I said, eh. I said, your car can do this. After a while, I had to stop. You really don't. say, but the car is fine. That's all I need. I said, come on. Just paint the picture of your old car the same color or something. No, I want this one. But you are using 5%. You are not exploiting the car. So, what God wants us to do with our life is that we exploit and we derive value from every gift, every talent, every relationship, every resource, everything he has given us. So that at the end of the day, he can say, well done. Well done. So, once we verify an opening, we are to follow up and follow through. Once you verify an opening, follow up and follow through. So the principle of exploitation simply says, follow up and follow through vigorously on an opening. So you see an opening, follow up, follow through vigorously. That's the principle of exploitation. There's, there was um, a time in history where um, the, the British forces came, came against the Turkish forces the first battle, there were two battles, twin battles. The first battle was, was what is called as the Battle of 
da, da Daniels. Bottom line, it was a naval assault on Turkey. Turkey had aligned with, with, with Germans. And the British forces came against Turkey and bombarded Turkey through that channel. It was so bad that Constantinople had sent word to the generals that at 12 noon, now listen to this, word had come from the capital city that at 12 noon surrendered to the British. Guess what happened? At 11 a.m., the British backed down. From the battle. Now, it was just, there's just so much to learn from that. If you told a civilian at 8 a.m., surrender to the opponent at 12 noon, the civilian will say, So why are we killing ourselves between 8 and 10? Let's go surrender now. Why? You know, we're going to lose men. That's how civilians think. But that's not where we're going. Surrender at 12 noon. At 11, the British general called it off. They did not follow through. Turkey would have fallen just because they didn't follow through. Now, I said that wasn't bad enough. There was a follow-up war at a place called Gallipoli. You know, I, I, I don't... I don't I don't, uh, I refuse to memorize these names because I, I just learned the lessons. Gallipoli, this is actually very popular, you can Google it. The campaign in Gallipoli is one of the greatest disasters in the 20th century. Greatest disaster. So when the British discovered what had happened, they launched a land attack. They, they, they gathered forces from Australia, New Zealand, and they launched a land attack, infantry attack on Turkey. They loaded thousands and thousands of men from their ship. Now, if you remember the principle of the offensive, Napoleon will release them to battle immediately, right? The British general delayed again. Turkey was totally, totally caught napping. They were not expecting it. But because the British delayed, Turkey could regroup, waited for them on the mountaintops, and of course, wiped out the British forces. They lost 800,000 soldiers in that battle because they did not follow through. So I'm praying today that you will follow through. I'm praying that, that you will not show up before God. And God will say to you, but I gave you, the, I gave you this. I opened the door to you. But, 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 but you, you had advantage. But, and, and it was 11 o'clock. I'm praying that you will not stop at 11 o'clock. When, when victory is just at 12 noon. In the name of Jesus. And I'm also praying. If you were to give up at 12 noon, that your enemies will surrender at 11 I'm also praying that if you were unprepared for the attack, that God will make the enemy just parambulate until you are ready to wipe them out. In the mighty name of Jesus. It is so instructive that we learn from these historical examples. Because many times, God gives us an idea. I mean, has this happened to anybody here? God gives you an idea. You have an idea. It's a brilliant idea. You know it's a brilliant idea. But, you know, you wrote it down. Maybe you told a few people. Or maybe you even, you know, um, filed it in your journal. But you did nothing. Then time passed. And you look down the street at somebody else. Has it happened to anybody and you know what I used to say when, it, when, it, when such thing happened to me? Oh, they stole my idea. Did you used to say that too? They stole my idea. They did, really. 
That idea implemented is the testament of your, your inability and my inability to follow through. As long as, if it's a business, as long as that business exists, it speaks to you that on this day, you did not follow through. What is that thing, that opening that God has given you? Follow through. Please say to your neighbor, follow through. Ask them, what are you waiting for? Get an answer. What are you waiting for? Follow through. Follow through. You know, the, the Swiss um, are known for their wristwatches, you know. They, they, they make the best wristwatches. The, um, the, 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 the Swiss Chronological Institute, the popular story, they came up with the quartz technology. You know the quartz technology that is now being used on you know, Casio and all the other, you know, they came up with quartz technology in 1960. But this, they, they, they put it aside. And they said, oh, they wanted the gears. You know, any wristwatch must have gear, you know, and you know, all those mechanical parts that are moving. You know, how would you know it's a, it's a, it's an, a handcrafted wristwatch? The Japanese came, visited them, said to them, give us the right for this quartz technology. And they said, yeah, you can have it. And the Japanese company took it. Of course, you know what happened next. Everybody in the world is wearing, almost everybody, <laughs> or has worn quartz wristwatch. The market that they lost shrunk so dramatically that now, today, they are paying royalties for that technology. They must have finished paying by now. What's, what's, what's the point? The point here is that they had it. God gave it to them. As, well, God, every good thing comes from God. So God gave it to them. But they did not follow through. They did not follow through. They did not exploit the situation. I'm praying that your life will not be filled with regrets. I am praying. You see, personally, there's, a, there's a, like a mantra that I live by. I've shared it a lot of time. I'm able to, to live with the fact that I have tried something and it didn't work. Than not try it and be regretting that if I had tried it, maybe it would have worked. I'm able to live with the fact that I tried and it didn't work. Big deal. I'll try another thing. But a lot of people are laden with regrets. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done that. Oh, I should have, you know, so many things. But today, that is going to change in the mighty name of Jesus. Many times also, we live life thinking, but I don't have a break. I don't have an opening. I don't have an opportunity. Pastor, I'm just in a place where there's no break, there's no opportunity, nothing is opening up. Yes, I've, I've lost a few opportunities, but right now nothing is opening up. The first thing, I'm going to the second thing too at the end. The first thing you need to know, if you're here, you're in that category. The first thing you need to know is just remain faithful. The opportunity will come. Just stand your ground. Something always happens. Something always happens. You know, there's a quote we shared in, when we were looking at security, you know, by some guy called Bernard Baruch. He says, when business is good, people believe that it will always be good. When business is poor, people believe it will always be poor. Neither is correct. So if you're here, you're thinking, oh, I don't have these openings. I don't have these opportunities. Don't worry. Your opportunity in fact, it's here already, <laughs> in Jesus' name. Just stand the ground. Something always happens. Something always happens. During the Second World War, again, back to the war stories, 
during the Second World War, there was a lot of pressure on, on Churchill, Winston Churchill, to negotiate with the Germans. A lot of pressure. But Winston Churchill said, no, it will not. And they were like, are you crazy? These guys are on a rampage. Da, 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 da. He said he's going to stand his ground. Everybody knew, and he knew, that the deciding factor of that war would be the Americans. You know what happened. And the Americans, the United States of America, said they're not going to participate in the war. But Churchill said, something will happen and America will fight. And you know the history. Something happened. The Americans joined the, the war, and the war ended. In fact, the Americans determined the end of the war. Then they asked Churchill afterwards, how did you know that the Americans are going to join? How did you know? Because they were so resolute. How did you know? And he said this, you know, he says, I have studied history, and history shows that if you persist long enough, something always happens. Don't give up. Something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. Now, it may look like, oh, everything is going to crash. Just stand there. Just stand your ground. Something is going to happen. Something is going to happen in your favor. Just stand your ground. Don't shake. Oh, but pastor, there are no opportunities to even exploit. Stand. Something is going to happen. And when it happens... Exploit it. Exploit it. So the question you and I need to be asking ourselves right now is amidst all the doors that God is opening for us and the opportunities that are, that are before us, the question we should be asking ourselves is what is the one thing that you can do right now? What is that one thing that I can do right now that can make things shift in my favor? Now, it could be in at work. It could be my business. It could be at home. It could be my marriage. What is that one thing that I can do? I have this door that has opened before me. What is that one thing I can do to make things shift in my favor? What is that one thing? Many of us know what it is. So my question, follow-up question to you is, so what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Oh, you are in the job. You know you should resign. You know you should start up your own business. But you are enjoying the uh, Alawi. <laughs> what are you waiting for? You are waiting for them to kick you out? Well, if God loves you, they will kick you out. So, Pastor, don't prophesy bad things. It's so that you can enter into your destiny. President of the Lord, ask your neighbor, what are you waiting for? Propose to that lady. What are you waiting for? Come on, open your mouth, boy. What are you waiting for? I told you the story of my son, spiritual son. It was, it was in some Eastern Europe, European country. And he found a lovely girl, da, 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 long story short. He likes the girl. The girl likes him. Then he calls me one day and says, oh, he's so sad. I'm like, what happened? He says, oh, the girl is going to marry somebody else. I'm like, ah, but you're always telling me about this lady and you guys like each other. So what happened? She says, eh, she said, the guy proposed to her. I'm like, didn't you propose to her? He said, no. I'm like, ah. I said, so what have you been doing? What do you guys do together? I said, we play Ludo. Ah. Say Ludo. <laughs> you are playing Ludo. The girl is waiting. Talk now. 
Then somebody else came and eh, ah. You see, many of us think because I like this person, I prayed about it, I believe God is in it, it must be you still have to do your own bit. Open your mouth and What are you waiting for? Pop the question. Worst case, you will get a no. So what? Men live by nose. <laughs> Should I tell you my story? Oh, there's no time. <laughs> okay, let me tell you. Now, My wife and I had kind of been seeing each other, da 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 da. And I think she was in South Africa at the time. And I said to myself, in a way, let my case not be like the case of this boy that was playing Lulu. <laughs> that hadn't happened then, but I mean, something like that. So I called her up. And I proposed on the phone. Action. <laughs> she thought I was crazy. She thought, I mean, so I think she, I can't remember how it went. I think she said, yes. Then she called me back and said, you are crazy. I'm not marrying you. She said, no, again. When she said, no, I said, eh, so what? You will come back. I pursued my objective. Many guys are afraid of no's. Why should you be afraid of no? No just means try again, try harder, change your strategy, change the game. That's all it means. It doesn't mean anything more. Don't take it personal. Oh, I need to get back on track. You, 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 you've been engaged to this, this person for so long. What are you waiting for? Get married. What are you waiting for? You, you are waiting to build the castle? The pastor, ah, no, before she, a woman comes to my house, I, there must be two cars. What are you waiting for? That's the question. Start the business. What are you waiting for? Obey God. What are you waiting for? God has spoken to you. God has given you an instruction. What are you waiting for? Some of us, we heard a powerful message that was preached by Pastor Yabami on Sunday, last week Sunday. You are born to serve. What are you waiting for? Oh, let me just warm the chair one more Sunday. No. What are you waiting for? Exploit the situation to the glory of God. Some of us, we need to, you are here, you've been coming to church, you know you need to surrender to Jesus. What are you waiting for? Just surrender to Jesus. Just surrender. And he will take it from there. So please, I want you to look at your neighbor eyeball to eyeball. And this is very serious. And I want you to ask them. If it's a lady, say my sister. If it's a brother, say, guys, say, my, 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 my brother, what are you waiting for? Ask them, what exactly? I, I want you to tell me, what exactly are you waiting for? So what did they tell you? <laughs> what exactly are you waiting for? Now we look at the four enemies of exploitations. I will close from there. What are, these, what are the four things, major things, that keeps us from taking action, from, that take, keeps us from exploiting the situation to the glory of God and to our own advantage? The first, obviously, is procrastination. It's procrastination. Oh, I will do it tomorrow. You know, you've heard it, tomorrow never comes. Because when tomorrow comes, then tomorrow is today. It's no more tomorrow, then that's to be tomorrow again. Oh, I will take the exam tomorrow. Oh, I, will, I need to sort out my, my, my papers. I will do it next week. Oh, I will do it next year. I want to sort out this first and I will keep procrastinating. You see, the problem is that many people have procrastinated their destinies. 
you push it down the line. You push it down the line. Push it down the line. Push it down the line. Just do it. Do it. To, you need to understand the, the, the characteristics of opportunity, of, of the nature of openings. There are three characteristics of opportunities. There may be more, but there are three I want to bring to focus. The first is that opportunities multiply as they are seized. Everybody that has done anything great knows that. Many times, all you see is an opening. As you seize that opening, more doors open. It's as if multiplication just happened. But you see, unfortunately, a lot of people are waiting for the big doors to open. But God is saying it doesn't work like that. You need to seize doors. Then as you are walking into those doors, the bigger doors will open. That's how it works. Opportunities multiply as they are seized. That's the first thing you need to know. Second thing you need to know is that opportunities have expiry dates. Opportunities have expiry dates. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. Why? Because night comes when no one can walk. Not when no one will be unwilling to walk. You may be willing to walk, but once it's night, you can't. You may have all the energy in the, in the world, but once the, night, once the night comes, you can't. Every opportunity has a daytime and has a nighttime. If you don't move while it is day, once it is night, the door is shut. And once the door shut, it's shut. Every opportunity has an expiry date. And the third thing you need to know, obviously, is an opportunity missed can hurt you for a long time. An opportunity missed can hurt you for a long time. And this is just, it's beyond regret. You know, that's the first point of hurt, regret. But it's way beyond regret. It can really cause serious pains. Take Abraham. He missed an opportunity to obey God. He impregnated his house girl. God says, I will give you a son. Your wife Sarah will give you a son. He didn't exploit that instruction. He gave birth to Ishmael. The world has never remained the same since then. No, 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 it hasn't. The seed of Abraham is still being tormented till today because of a missed opportunity for obedience. Esau, same thing. He missed an opportunity just to retain his birthright. Many of us, many people, I believe not here, I pray not here, are throwing their birthright out of the window. Why? Because of an immediate pleasure. Listen, if you miss the opportunity of your destiny, like Esau, you know, the scripture says, a lot of Christians think, oh, I, I will just repent and it will be fine. Once I repent, it will be fine. Listen, I believe in repentance. I believe God forgives and don't get me wrong and it cleanses. But it says there are some things that you do that the scar stays with you for the rest of your life. Hebrews says, Esau sought repentance with tears. He wept, but it was gone. Don't mortgage your destiny. Don't. Don't mortgage your destiny. Don't miss the opportunity for obedience. Israel missed the window of opportunity. God said to them, go and possess the land. Israel said, ah, we cannot possess the land. Israel missed it, that window of opportunity and did not get it back until 40. In fact, the whole generation got, died. In fact, it means that generation did not even enter the promised land. Why? Because an opportunity missed can hurt you for a long time. Time. So, what I'm saying, this exploitation is so important. It's so, 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 so important. Stop procrastinating. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Have you, have you seen a, a, a lady try to kill a cockroach? 
with her leg. There's no weapon in her hand. So the cockroach is like, just step on the damn thing. Then the cockroach runs. Then she corners the cockroach. Match the head. Just crush it. People are like, Pastor, why are you using that kind of way? Just crush the cockroach. It's not convenient. Just do it. Stop procrastinating. Number two. Four enemies of exploitation. Number one is what? Number two, caution. Caution. You see, caution is not necessarily bad. It's not bad at all, actually. But caution can become a problem. And caution is not fair. Caution is not, is not necessarily fair. Caution has its place. Caution is rooted as two, two, two legs. It's rooted in logic and systems. Caution is rooted in logic and systems. Logic meaning it's, this makes sense. You know, we should be careful when we get to the um, edge so that we don't fall. It's, it's logical. So it, it breeds caution. It, 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 the other leg is system, is systemized. You know, this is how we do it here. So, so when this is how we do it. This is, so why systems are good and cultures are good, but you see, systems and cultures must be broken so that you can make progress. That is how we do it here. What do you mean that's how we do it here? It may have worked 50 years ago, but it's not working now. I'm sorry, it's not working. So break the system. Create a new one. Oh, that is how we have been doing. That's how my great-grandfather did it. That's how my grandfather did it. That's how my father did it. Now it's my turn. You must do it like this. You are my son. And the boy says, sorry, dad. I'm not doing it that way. I said, you are rebellious. I will curse you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't curse him. He is breaking the system. Hallelujah. So a time must come when you have to set aside your caution so that you can make progress. You have to set aside your caution so that you can make progress. So, Pastor, what's the solution to logical caution? You know, the systemized question is logical question. What's the solution to logical question? It's simple. The solution to logical question is actually logic itself. The solution to logical question is logic. So um, this is, if you get here, you should do this. Okay, what if you do this? Oh, okay, so we can do So logic solves the problem. Uh, an example in scripture is the story of the four lepers in Samaria. They were at the gates. They were beggars. They sat down there and they, logic if we sit here, they will kill us. If we go into this, the city, the war is going to come anyway. We are going to die. If we go to meet the enemy, they will kill us. But there's a slim chance they will have mercy on us. Let's take it. So they took that option. And you know what happened? Of course, they were rewarded by God. Praise the name of the Lord. So what's the solution? I know I'm reading out a lot of things, but please write fast. So what's the solution to systemized caution? It's simple. Courage. Courage is the solution to systemized caution. So you, you, this caution, this is a, this is how we have been doing it. Let us do it how we have been doing it so that it can what? Oh, come on. You don't know that. <laughs> so that it can come out how it has been coming out. But the problem is we don't want it to come out the way it has been coming out. There's a, there's a lady that, um, whose mom, I, 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 I'm not sure I got, I'm getting the story right, but I'll get the moral out. Fries her sausages in a, a, a cuts her sausages up to fry. And she cuts the sausages up to fry. And the daughter says to her, what? why are we cutting the sausages up to fry? Come on, I can just fry the whole thing and just enjoy the and the mother said, you this girl, I've been telling you, you are very rebellious. This is how my grandmother did it. This is how my mother did In our family, this is how we cut. <laughs> so one day, grandma came visiting 
And the daughter was bold enough. She asked, Grandma, Mom says this is how we cut it. Why are we cutting sausages up? Why can't we just fry it and enjoy it like that? And Grandma says, oh, back in those days, our fry pans were very little. <laughs> so we had to cut the sausages. See, but now we have bigger fry pans. Now we are still cutting the sausages. There are many things in church that we are just doing because that's how we are doing it. In Gospel Spirit House, we are changing everything. We are some people are going to get very uncomfortable. <laughs> we are not interested in a dogmatic system. We are interested in a solution that gives glory to Jesus. That is all. Praise the Lord. You need courage. You need courage. Many times, we are waiting. We are cautious. We are waiting for the perfect thing. We want to dot the I's. We want to cross the T's, you know, and all that stuff. You see, let me tell you something. You, if you wait to cross all the I's and dot all the T's, by the time you are ready, it will be too late. In fact, someone said, if you, um, this software now, programming, if you, if you are proud of your first release, your first software that you release, you are proud of it, you release it too late. If you check the first page of Twitter, you'll be ashamed of Twitter. If you check the first Facebook page, ugly thing. But they, they shipped anyway. It's, it's, called, it's called incremental releases. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of, of um, rapid application development, which is release the code quickly. So that users will use it, they let you know what the problem is. Instead of you staying in your cocoon, thinking you have all the solutions, by the time you bring out the solution, it doesn't fit. Praise the Lord. And God does it like that too. God does incremental releases. The pastor is God a software programmer, of course. He does incremental releases. God doesn't wait until we are perfect before he uses us. He doesn't wait until we are perfect. He, he pushes you. And you're like, oh God, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But he pushes you anyway. Then he sorts out this. Then he sorts out that. Then he does this. Then he does that. Then he does this. Then he does that. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. A little here, a little there. Then 10 years down the line, people look at you and say, oh, you're an overnight success. Now you're right. Or someone else get up and says, oh, I, I want to do exactly what you did. Okay. Try it. God doesn't. Wait for us to be perfect before he calls us. He loves us too much to leave us out the way we were, of course. But he doesn't wait for us to be perfect before he calls us. So God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. He doesn't. In fact, <laughs> if God were to call the qualified, no one would be qualified to be called. If God were to call the qualified, no one would be qualified to be called. In fact, all these people that feel that they are qualified to be called, they are hypocrites because nobody, none, none, everybody say none, 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 can stand before God's righteousness. None. So be careful on who you want to give up on. Be careful on who you want to write off. Be careful. I've seen people write off other Christians. Oh, that one is useless. Oh, that one cannot do this. Oh, that one. I say, be careful. Be careful. Don't be in a hurry to judge people because you don't know where God has taken them from. You don't know where God is taking them to. And ironically sometimes, it's the people that God has shown a lot of grace that are so impatient with other people. Sometimes it's just very funny. So I see someone come to me. I say, oh, pastor, this person, uh, you must do this to this person. You must do that to that person. And the person goes on and on and on. And I smile. You know, I don't say anything. And my mind, I'm like, but I knew where you, you, 
you came from? How can it be you? How can you now be the person to pull out the judgmental stick? You. But I don't say anything, I just smile. Many times, we write off people that God is saying work in progress. Many times, we want to put a full stop where God is saying to be continued. Work has not ended. Don't write off anybody. Number three. Now, if you're writing now, you need to write super fast. <laughs> Number one is what? Procrastination. Number two is what? Caution. Number three is distraction. Distraction. The, the top enemy of exploitation is distraction. There, there's an operation during um, 1941, again, back to the Hitler days. There was an operation called Operation Barbarossa. Now, this Operation Barbarossa, I'll give you the lowdown. Hitler had three million crack solid soldiers that marched into Russia. Three million. In the first few months, they are taking over 1.5 million Russian soldiers captive. Not less of the ones they've, they've killed. Captive. And they were marching for Moscow. Stalin, Joseph Stalin, remember the Soviet guy? And his aides had already come up with a plan B to escape, abandon Moscow, and go and run for their lives. But Hitler saw Kiev. Cave in the current, um, um, what country? Ukraine, the current Ukraine. And cave was so tempting that Hitler and his guys said, you know what, we are going to Moscow, but let's just take this one first. And they encycled cave. It's called cave encyclement. You can Google it. But Cave deployed the principle of the citadel, you know, which is concerning circle, and they pushed back. Even though the Nazis defeated and conquered Cave, by the time they were done, they were depleted, their resources were gone, Russian winter had kicked in, they could not take Moscow. But if they had taken Moscow, Cave was a distraction. So I'm praying today that the cave or cave, or I hope I pronounce this well, the distraction that the, your enemy needs, that God will give it to them. In the name of Jesus. Everyone, en- I mean, encroaching on you, on your territory, everyone advancing towards your Moscow. God will give them a distraction that will deplete their resources and incapacitate their forces. So while we need to move quickly on opportunities, we have to stay on track. We have to stay on track. Matthew 6.22 says, The light of the body is the eye. And if your eye be single, your whole body be full of light. That word single there means healthy. It means clear. It means focused. So what is distracting you? Get rid of the distraction. So number one enemy of distraction, enemy of exploitation is what? Procrastination. Number two is what? Caution. Number three is what? Distraction. And number four, finally, it's fear. It's fear. Why don't we exploit fear? Sometimes. There's a story in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Please write it down. Read it when you get home. Matthew 25, 14 to 20. It's called the parable of the talents. The servant that 
was not productive. If you listen to what he said, he said, I was afraid. Therefore, I buried this talent. Fear is a major challenge for a lot of us. A lot of us will have gone very far in life, but for fear, we are afraid to take the step. We are afraid to exploit the situation. God will break the back of that fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But if you examine what the guy said, further, I mean, the, the, the servant that did not take full advantage and be productive, he said <laughs> to the master, he says that you, you like to reap when you don't sow. In other words, you like to exploit. You are an exploitative person. And the master says, you know, I operate the principle of exploitation. At least you should have put my money in the bank. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> he says to the master, you are exploitative. But God is saying to you, you and I, I expect you to be exploitative. I expect you to get maximum results from everything I have given you. I expect results. So immediately I learned that not exploiting your gifts your talents, your resources, your relationships to the glory of God can take you to hell. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know it's harsh. I know, I know, I know. But I didn't say so. It's in the Bible. Jesus said it. Wow. Wow. So, if, if you return to God just what God gave you, you didn't, it's not like you lost it. This guy didn't lose the money. If you protect it with your life, you pro- all I did is protected my gifts and my talents. I can give you back. God what says, I'm not interested. I want results. I want it multiplied. And many destinies have been crippled by fear. I'm praying that yours will not be one of them. In the mighty name of Jesus. God wants you to get rid of fear. Sometimes we think fear is just our best friend. We think we, we can't live without fear. We think, oh, it's normal fear. No, 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 it's not. In fact, God has only one solution to fear. First John 4, 18. Cast it out. That's the only solution God has for fear. Banish it. Banish fear. Cast it out. Banish fear totally. In fact, on, on Wednesday, we are starting... In our tribe session, we're starting a new series called Banishing Fear. Banishing Fear. Now, fear, if you can deal with fear, you are almost unstoppable. There are other things. Almost unstoppable. Fear is one of the major things that keep people grounded. Why are you not doing this? They're afraid. You're afraid of this. You're afraid of that. By the grace of God, by the time we are done banishing fear, fear will be a thing of the past in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Banish fear. Banish fear. Bill Gates, we all all know Bill Gates. The richest man in the world. But that was not his story in just 1979, 1980. He had a partner, Paul Allen. They had a software company. Now listen to this story. Many of you don't. I'm sure most of you don't know this story. Most people don't know this story. They know a part of it, but they know it as it is. IBM approached Bill Gates and says, we want you to write an operating system for us. Everybody knows that part. But a lot of us didn't know what Bill Gates said and what the situation was. What did he say? Bill Gates said, sure, right away. Now, how is that important? That is important because at that time, he didn't have an operating system. At that time, he didn't even have the time to start writing an operating system because to write an OS is huge. Even now, with all the tools available, it's huge. 
But he said to many of us would have been afraid. But I said, ah, sorry, I can't, I can't do it. I'm sorry, I can't. No, no, no. He said, sure, right away. We went to find a company in Seattle that had already written an operating system and bought the code from them for $50,000. Bill Gates didn't write MS-DOS, the initial code. He didn't. He bought it from the company in Seattle. He labeled it Microsoft this operating system. Sold it to IBM. And today is the richest man in the world. Many times we are breaking our heads on things we can buy. Why reinvent the wheel? Even back then, he refused to reinvent the wheel. Back then. Why, why, why are we doing it now? He was not afraid to take on the challenge. I've seen people come to me that, oh, pastor, they, they are promoting me to this position, but I, I can't do it. Oh, pastor, I can't do it. I'm afraid. I can't do it. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Take it. Since I, no, I don't want to embarrass myself. I leave them because, I mean, you cannot, I'm not going to be the one to do the job for them. But God is saying, don't be afraid. Step up. God is with you. Exploit the situation. To the glory of God. And Microsoft, of course, is everywhere. Today. Everywhere. Like him or hate him. You have to respect that guy. You have to respect him. He took the step. We would say in faith. Because we know better, at least. But you, that you know God, you're afraid to take the step. And God is saying, what on earth are you waiting for? The door is open before you. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? As I close today, I want you to know without a shadow of doubt that it is your job to find that opening and to exploit it. It's your job. God can help you find it, but it is still your job to exploit it. I pray that God will open your eyes that you will exploit what you need to exploit. In the mighty name of Jesus. So closing with these thoughts, you know, there's a tendency that for us to look at a distant place for an opening. When we talk about opening opportunities, this, we are looking far. Oh, where will my own opportunity come? Oh, where will I see? You know, I alluded to it initially. You know, someone said, and rightly so, that the greatest people maximize the opportunities at hand. Look around you. There are opportunities before you already. Stop looking everywhere for what God has given to you. It is there. See it. They're going to put up a, a few of uh, scriptures. Now, a story in Second Kings 1-7. to You know that story? Elisha and the widow. <laughs> the widow came to Elisha. The creditors have come to take my sons. And Elisha said, what do you have? in the house. Now, many of us, like the widow, we are, we are quick to answer back. I say, I don't have anything. Don't be quick to answer back. God is saying to you, what do you have in the house? He says, oh, just this oil. And Elisha said, we will work with what you have. And the story, our story changed. What do you have in Luke 9, 10 to, to 17, Jesus said to the disciples, go and feed these 5,000 men, about 50,000 people. Go and feed them. And they said, we don't have anything. He says, but what do you have? He says, but accept this, this um, little boy's lunch. 
Jesus says, feed them. But it's, it's, the opportunity is so small, Jesus. Jesus says, feed them. Why? Because as you take the little opportunities, the bread will multiply. The fish will multiply. That's how it works. Feed them. In Judges 6, 11 to 16, uh, um, Gideon stood and the angel said to Gideon, thou mighty man of war. And Gideon said, who are you talking to? He says, you. Gideon says, oh, can't be me. There's something in you that you can't see. But God sees it. God puts it there. And God is calling for it today. Mighty man of war. Get up. Mighty woman of war. Get up. God is saying, you will have victory. You will. In Exodus 4, 1 to 5, God said to Moses, you are going to deliver my people Israel. And Moses says, how? God says, what is it that you have in your hand? Moses says, my, my hand. It's just a staff. Just a rod. And God said, with this rod, you will bring about deliverance. What am I saying? You already have the opportunity that will change your life. It's in your hands already. Like Moses, it's in your hand. Like Gideon, it's within you. Like the disciples, you have the relationships already. You have the little boy in your life already. Like the widow, it's in your house already. God wants you to deploy it. God wants you to deploy it. There's a story called the Acres of Diamond, popular story. A farmer wanted diamonds. An African story. So he sold his farm. I took the money. I went on an expedition looking for diamonds. And he spent all the money. He didn't find diamonds. And at the end of the day, he jumped into the ocean and committed suicide. Meanwhile, back home, the man that he sold the farm to was digging. And he found black rock-like materials. Apparently, the farm he sold was sitting on a diamond mine. Of course, he had to cut it. He had to polish it. Da, 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 all before the, you know, the real shiny thing came out. So he sold a farm filled with diamonds to go on a journey looking for diamonds. Many of us, we are married to people that are awesome people. But you are looking for diamond where it is not. Many of us, our lives, like Gideon, is filled with greatness. Greatness resides in you. But you sell yourself cheap because you are looking for diamonds. God is saying to you today, like he said to Gideon, it's within you. Like he said to the widow, it's in your house. Like he said to the disciples, you have the relationships already. Like he said to Moses, it's in your hands. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. It's in your hands, my sister, my brother. The God of heaven is calling you today. It's in your hands. Let's talk, let's talk to God briefly about what we have heard. But for some people here, it's just the fact that you need to um, 
Just surrender to Jesus. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Don't sell the diamond fields and search for diamonds. They're saying, I need to surrender to Jesus. I want to pray with you. Right now. I don't need you to come forward, but I want to see you wherever you are seated. I want to give my life to Jesus. Pastor, pray with me. Or I have been running from God. I want to come back to God. Pray with me, Pastor. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. I need to know you are there. Just put up your hand now over your head. Quickly. And I'll pray with you. Yeah, put up your hand. Put up your hand. Well, well, well. God bless you. Put it up well, well, well. And I'll pray with you. I'll pray with God bless you. God bless you. Over there. God bless you. Keep, keep the hands up. And I'll pray with you. And I'll pray with you. Once they slip a card in your hand, you can put it down and begin to talk to God. If you're online and you want to surrender to Jesus, the instructions are scrolling. The rest of us, let's talk to God. Father, grace to exploit all that you have given to me. Give it to me, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you here and online. We ask that you save them totally. Cleanse this life. Lord, empower them to be all that you have called them to be. Let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed.